Happy Father's Day, everybody. It's so good to have you celebrating this day, giving all the glory to God. I want to thank you for being with us, especially if this is your first time. In fact, uh, we have a treat for first-time dads. This is the first service you've been to at Springbrook, and you're a dad. We want to give you two tickets to see Man of Steel. AMC movie tickets. If you don't want to see that movie, you can pick some other movie. But uh, at the same time, uh, talk to Pastor Rich. He'll be up here later. Talk to Pastor Rich, and he'll give you those two tickets. It's just a kind of a fun way uh, to welcome you, and thank you for being our guest uh, today. And this kicks off our God at the Movies series. Uh, looking forward uh, to this. Uh, today we're talking about Superman, a uh, man of steel. And every movie we're going to take a look at, uh, we're looking at the movie for a biblical theme. And uh, we're going to be studying God's Word about. We're going to be talking about super dads uh, today. Then the next two weeks, we're going to finish up our Uncommon Joy series in the book of Philippians. And then we'll go back into the God at the movie series, and we'll be looking at uh, Iron Man. Iron Man and the theme of revenge. Uh, July 14th, Lincoln, Storms of Life. July 21st, Les Miserables, uh, Redemption. And July 28th, Brave, a Family Conflict. So a great thing to invite your neighbors and friends out to, kind of catch uh, their attention. And uh, so we encourage you to be thinking and praying about who you might uh, invite out. Well, Lori and I had a chance to see Man of Steel on Friday night, and I was just amazed at the ending when Clark Kent and Lois Lane got married. Unbelievable wedding. It was like, what? Oh, that's kind of a spoiler, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's kidding. Uh a couple of things about the movie. Uh, it's a different type of Superman, a different type of Superman. And uh, I liked them. And uh, they've got some great hand-to-hand uh, -hand combat scenes that will just kind of blow you away. In fact, just before the service, uh, I met a friend of the Egan's down here, Charlie, and he is a professional uh, Superman impersonator. Let's just stand up, Charlie. Let's give Charlie a hand, huh? All right. <laughs> Thank you for being here, friend. 
And I, I'm serious, man. I mean, the guy gave me his card, and uh, he's uh, Superman of St. Louis. And when Plano, uh, Illinois has their big Superman festival, they hire him to come in and be Superman. And, man, I wish I would have known earlier, and you could have brought your cape and everything. And well, if you have a phone booth around here, that's a problem with Superman today. Where'd the phone booths go? Where does he change? Ah, okay, all right. That's good. Uh, it's good to have you today, uh, Charlie. <laughs> well, uh, you know, when I was thinking about Father's Day and I was thinking about Superman, I'm thinking, wow, you know, we got to be super dads, those of us who play that particular role. There's so much expected of us. Uh, we have to provide for our families. We have to lead our families. We have to <clears throat> invest in our children, discipline our children, train our children. Uh, we have to... Uh, provide for the home and manage finances and we have to take care of the home it goes on and on and it can be overwhelming and you know when we think about that particular role it's like we have to be like Jesus uh, in all those particular responsibilities and it's interesting as many of you know there's been a lot of parallels made uh, between Jesus and Superman and I just want to go over those quickly got these off a blog, uh, but they're all over the place out there, uh, these different similarities. Uh, the first is that Superman's real name is Kal-El. It's a Jewish reference to God. It means the voice of God. Now, it's interesting uh, that Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster created Superman. In fact, we go back to the comic uh, image. Uh, this is the first Superman comic that was totally devoted to Superman. In 1938, uh, they had some references to him. He was in some different comics. But in 1939, they came out with the first Superman comic. And uh, they, uh, as uh, Jewish individuals, uh, you know, finding uh, Superman was kind of like finding Moses. So they had different things from the Bible in there. But over the years, uh, Superman has really been Christianized in many different ways. Uh, for example, number two, uh, Lex Luthor is similar in sound to Lucifer, like the devil. Number three, Superman is Jor-El's only son, as Jesus is to God. Number four, Superman was sent to earth by his father as a baby to save all mankind. Jesus was born a baby and was sent by God to save all mankind. Number five, both are raised by common people, Jesus by a carpenter and Superman by farmers. Number six, both did little things uh, when younger. Both went public around age 30. Uh, number seven, both possessed powers and abilities far beyond those of mere mortal men and used them for good. And number eight, Jesus died on a cross for the forgiveness of sins, defeated the devil, and was resurrected from the dead by God. And the comic book Superman died fighting doomsday to save mankind from doomsday's path of destruction Later, Superman was resurrected by his father, Jor-El. Now, that's the comic book version. That doesn't reflect the current movie, Man of Steel. But it's interesting. I came across this quote of a reporter talking about uh, the Man of Steel uh, screenwriter, David Goyer. Uh, screenwriter David S. Goyer and director Zack Snyder are not the first to make the comparison. Even God spelled Jesus wore an S on his chest, but they're the most obvious with it. It's baked into the DNA of the character, Goyer recently said from Los Angeles by telephone. We talked about it many times saying, let's not ignore it. Let's lean 
into it. And they, they really leaned into it. Uh, if you read uh, some of the blogs out there in terms of how many different references there are to Christianity as you go throughout the film. So if you do go to the film, either before or after the film, Google it and, and look at the different things that were in the film that, again, spoke of this uh, analogy uh, to Christ. Uh, it's quite interesting. So, uh, going back to the issue of being a super dad, I'm thinking, okay, well, if I want to be a super dad, I need to be more like Jesus Christ because he was the true superman, no doubt. Well, that doesn't work real well when I try to be more like Jesus Christ. When I think about my children, in fact, I, I'm coming up on 23 years of fathering, here in my own life, my son Tom just turned 15 years old. 15, what am I saying? 18 years old uh, yesterday. 18, you don't want to hear that. Uh, 18 years old uh, yesterday. And so it got me thinking, wow, that's a long time, and now I'm done. All right? The youngest one is 18. I can check out here. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's only just begun. Uh, fathering is a lifelong journey, and I'm glad. Uh, that it is, as your children turn into your friends and uh, those who love and support you. So, uh, again, I was thinking about uh, my fathering and what I've learned being a father. What I've learned being a father is that I'm much more selfish than I thought I was. <laughs> much more selfish with my time and with my money and just with everything. Uh, I want to do things my way. Uh, I, I've also found out that I'm a lot more impatient than I originally thought I was. Uh, impatient with my kids. And I also found out that I, I tend uh, to be an angry person <laughs> in terms of raising my children. They really sometimes can get me quite upset. Isn't it wonderful, wonderful the good things that your children can bring to your life? <laughs> Making you aware of all these things. What? What my children have done have helped me remember what a sinner I am, uh, how weak I am, and how I really do not have what it takes to be a father. But the good news is, that's transformed everything in my life, is that when I was uh, a child, I realized that I was a sinner, and I didn't have what it took. And I realized that no matter how often I went to church, no matter how often I read the Bible, no matter how many times I prayed, no matter how kind I was to other individuals, that that did not impress God at all because he held my sin against me. In fact, he said there was a penalty for my sin, and that penalty was eternity separated uh, from himself. But, of course, he didn't want that, and that's why he sent his son Jesus Christ down to this earth, as we talked about with the Superman analogy, in order uh, that I might be saved. Because Jesus Christ took the penalty for me. What I deserved, He bore my sin on the cross. And He paid that penalty in order that I might have a relationship with the Father. Not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. So as a young child, I made that decision to be a Christ follower. And that's transformed my life ever since. I'm still a sinner. I'm still a very weak person. But what I, what I seek to do in all my relationships and all my roles and responsibilities 
is to let Jesus Christ live through me and empower me to live in a supernatural way. Empower me to be the father that I should be. Now, I'm far from a perfect father, but I tell you, I'm a lot better father uh, than I would be if I was not a Christ uh, follower. Uh, God has helped me and, and my wife, Lori, as we've raised our three boys, uh, to instill in them uh, this love for God. And they all have made that decision individually uh, to become Christ followers, and they're growing and thriving uh, in those relationships. And that's only by the grace of God. And I'm so thankful. And that's why I'm so passionate as I teach and preach and uh, uh, fulfill my role as a pastor to challenge dads especially uh, today uh, to first come to know Jesus and then let Jesus work through you as you parent uh, your children. It's so important to do. Well, we want to take a, a brief look at a passage in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. So open your Bibles there. This is a, a very interesting passage. It is, I believe, the definitive passage in Scripture on what it means to be a father. Now, that's an odd thing to find in First Thessalonians. You might not expect that. This is a letter that Paul was writing to a church that he had started in Thessalonica, very similar to what happened in Philippi, where he had started that church and then wrote a letter to them that we've been studying. Next week we're going to be talking about uh, contentment. Contentment. Uh, so I encourage you to be with us. I think you'll find it very uh, stimulating and uh, help you out a lot uh, in your daily life as we study God's Word in Philippians chapter 4. But uh, So he was writing this letter to the people at Thessalonica, and he had started this church. He had been there about six weeks, and then he left. And then what happened is, as we mentioned, sometimes happened with Paul, is that false teachers followed him, and they tried to discredit Paul and his companions. And they said, listen, Paul, that guy that was just in here starting this church, uh, he did not have the best motives. He was just using you. Uh, he uh, did not teach you the right things. And so what Paul is doing, they started to believe this stuff. He was writing a letter to them to say, wait a second, guys. Come on now. You know what we did when we were there. So he writes to them and he says, you are witnesses and God also how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charge you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Let's take a close look at this. It's talking about his role as a father to them. And as we study this, I think we can figure out what we as fathers are to do with our children. So he says, you are witnesses. You were there. You saw how we treated you. Now, these false teachers are saying something different. But you were eyewitnesses, and God also saw what went on, that we treated you with respect, and, and, and how holy and righteous and blameless was our, was our conduct toward you believers. So that's a tall order, uh, isn't it? When we look at that, uh, 
how righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. And I look at that and say, wow, you know, uh, I, I don't measure up to that and being a dad. But I, I don't think that's the point. Paul is not saying that we as fathers need to be perfect. What he's saying is, is that we need to be pursuing Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you're a dad, and you might not even be a Christ follower. You've never made that decision to follow Jesus. Well, that's the first thing you need to pursue. I would challenge you this summer to say, okay, I'm going to do everything I can to learn about the claims of Christ and make a decision for Him, a, a, a yes decision for Him. Because if you don't make any decision, that's a no decision. But pursue Jesus, because I promise you He's got great things in store. If you'll embrace Him, if you're a new believer, sometimes you're overwhelmed with everything that's coming at you and the expectations that you see in Scripture, but you need to realize that that God wants to grow you, and He usually grows you slowly. And He's so patient with you. The important thing is that you're growing there. Maybe you've been a Christian for 25 years. Maybe you've stalled out for some reason. You've, you've kind of just gotten away. The fire's gone. Well, you need to focus this summer on praying that God would bring that fire back into your life and that you would recommit your life to Him and let the Holy Spirit flow through you and empower you to be a wonderful witness to your kids. The point is, is that you're on the journey. You're engaged spiritually. You're looking toward Jesus Christ. That's the point here. Because what you dads need to realize is the impact that you're making on your children no matter how old you are. I mean, you might have adult children, but you're still influencing your children in ways you don't even imagine. Maybe you feel like, well, I, mean, I wasted the time when I was raising my kids. Maybe I wasn't even a Christ follower. Well, friends, God can work through all that, and you still can have an incredible impact upon the lives of your children as you live uh, your Christianity out. There was a study done in Switzerland many years ago about church attendance and how a parent's church attendance impacted a child's church attendance. And what they found was is that if a woman regularly attended church with her kids, but the husband was not involved, uh, there was only a 2% chance that those children would continue to attend church in their adult years. But... If the husband was irregularly attending church, there was a 50% chance that those kids would be involved in a church in their adult years. And if that husband, that dad, was attending regularly, there was a 75% chance that those kids would be involved in a church in their adult years. Now, what is this saying? What this is saying is that we as dads, we as men in the lives of our children, have an inordinate spiritual influence on our children. Now, I don't want to discourage single moms or maybe you have a, a husband who doesn't attend. Don't get discouraged by this. I mean, God still works. God uh, works against odds, studies, whatever. 
But the point of the study is men. We have an inordinate spiritual influence. What we do and how we model the Christian life and how we engage in the spiritual family makes a much more tremendous impact on our children than our wives. It just is proven, and it's just the way that the, God wired the family up. So the point here is, Dad, you cannot say, well, the spiritual area is my wife's department. And that, that's been the way it is in our society for years and years and years. Uh, she's going to take care of that. Well, that's a real mistake in a sense if you're saying you're stepping out. I mean, she should continue to do all the good things she's doing. But if you're not engaged, your kids are still going to miss something that is so important. You are the key that they look to. We've all heard the story, right? Uh, when Dad doesn't go to church and uh, especially the boy gets old enough saying, Hey, Dad doesn't go to church. Why should I have to go to church? Because of its inordinate spiritual influence. It's not, if it's not important enough for Dad, why should it be important enough for me? And the point here is the life that you model before your children makes such an impact upon them. It's so true. You know, we become like our fathers and mothers. And it really becomes scary when you see it happening in your children, when they start becoming like you. <laughs> right? <laughs> in the negative sense. Sometimes even in the positive, it just kind of spooks you out. What did I do? <laughs> well, that's why it's so important that we walk closely with Jesus so they'll pick up hopefully on the good stuff, and depending on God for everyday uh, life. As a father, as I, I think about the future of my kids' lives and my grandkids, uh, when I think about the next, let's say, 60 years, I mean, if we go back 60 years and we think of the early 50s here in the States, and now we think of the state of our culture like, wow, what happened, right, over the last 60 years? And think about what our culture is going to be like in another 60 years. You think about what's happening right now, the systematic uh, dismantling of the institution of marriage. What is marriage going to look like in 10, 20 years? The building block of society. And then you have uh, the careless use of sex when people have such instant access to porn. And you have this younger generation where... Most of them are looking at porn, and uh, a lot of them are addicted to porn. I mean, what is that going to do to sexuality? And I mean, there's so many ramifications across the board. And the ethics, what we see on TV, uh, the morals uh, that are being, uh, again, uh, modeled. I mean, when kids watch TV shows, they're picking up on modeling as well. And they say, well, that's, our, that's the way our society works, so I'll behave like that too. I mean, where are we heading uh, with all this? And you think about the future of our country, you think about terrorism, and you think about our economy and our debt, and oh, mercy, you know, how do we prepare our kids for the future? Well, there's three different investments you make in your kids. You see them up here. Uh, the first investment is a schooling investment, the schooling investment. Then you have the social investment, then you have the spiritual investment. Now, the schooling investment is, of course, sending your kids to school. We're all very committed to doing that, right? In fact, the government will tell us if we're not doing what we should be doing in that area. Uh, hey, send your kids to school. Give them a good education. 
to prepare them for life. And you help them with homework and you go to school activities. A very important investment. And the majority of parents do very well in this area. Then you have the social investment. This is helping your children to develop social skills, helping them to work with other people, uh, helping them to do life, uh, do work as a team uh, with other individuals. So you've got all kinds of extracurricular activities. You have theater, you have dance, you have cheerleading, you have different sports and things like that. So I find that parents these days are very, very committed uh, to that, making sure that their kids have those social experiences, and those are important as well. The third area is the spiritual investment. And this is making sure that you're doing everything you can to create an environment where your child will come into a relationship with God and to grow in that relationship with God and to have a home life uh, where they learn to live life uh, from a biblical uh, perspective, that they're given biblical instruction, that they're vitally involved in in the life of a church, that they're regularly attending a church and they're regularly attending different youth programs, Uh, that will help them to grow spiritually. That's very important as well. As I look at those three different investments, when I think about, okay, my children 40 years from now, what is the most important area that I can invest in that's going to make a difference in the way they view the world, the difference in the way that they uh, treat their spouse, treat their kids, you know, the way they manage their lives, uh, having a, a solid uh, a foundation in life, obviously it's a, it's a spiritual investment. And what concerns me as I watch parents, I see that they're very committed to the schooling investment, they're very committed to the social investment, but the spiritual investment uh, is not as important in many parents' lives. Uh, again, when we talk about uh, the importance of modeling the Christian life at home, uh, having devotions with the family, uh, prayer, uh, just living out every day uh, committed to Jesus Christ, uh, some families don't make that a priority. When I think about families committed to, again, uh, the church family, just like you go to a school or you go to practices or whatever, I mean, when I see the commitment level in terms of saying, okay, if the spiritual investment is the most important investment I can make in my kids, wouldn't I make Church attendance, Awana attendance, Thrive, uh, uh, our high school group, and JAM, our junior high group, and other things in that church, wouldn't it be just as critical to get my kids to these activities as it would be to taking them to some practice or, or some game? Does that make, doesn't that make sense? I mean, if it's that critical, why, why is it that some parents don't make it, as that, make it that important in their lives? I don't know if they just don't believe that it's that important. So I really ask you dads to think through this and to think through how you're leading your family because I tell you what, God is going to hold you accountable for how you lead your family. He's not asking you to be a super saint. He's just asking you uh, to grow as a father in leading your family spiritually and saying, okay, I want to make a spiritual investment in my family. And a lot of dads... Uh, feel inadequate because their wives are way ahead of them spiritually. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you you grow at your own rate. And again, you got to realize that your spiritual influence is 
greater than your wife's spiritual influence. So the more you grow, you're going to do, be doing double time in regards to influencing your children. And so when you decide to live for Jesus at home, when you decide to lead your family in prayer, when you decide to make church attendance a priority, uh, doing life with a small group, all those different types of things, you're going to make a spiritual investment in your children that will be making a difference 40 years from now when they will be going through some very difficult times. Because we all face difficult times in our lives, and unfortunately I believe that life is going to become a lot more difficult here in the United States, especially if you're a Christ follower. It's going to become very difficult. And parents, now is the time to make the investment, not to think, oh, who cares about the future? Well, yeah, you need to care about the future. Not they're just their financial future, their educational future, but their spiritual future. And dads, you are the linchpin. You're the linchpin. Don't, don't be afraid. You know, step forward. We're here to help you. We're here to encourage you. And uh, we want to do everything that we can uh, to empower you to be the dads that God has called you to be. Proverbs 27 uh, says it so beautifully. The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. So if you make the spiritual investment, number one, in your family, your kids are going to be blessed. Your kids are going to have better marriages. They're going to be better moms and dads. But most importantly, they're going to walk more closely with Jesus Christ. And that particular relationship will take them through anything that life has uh, to throw at them. And I want to encourage you dads to continue to cultivate that relationship uh, with Jesus. Uh, here are some devotionals uh, that I've talked about in the past. And if you have not bought your dad a gift yet, okay, this is a great gift to give him. Uh, one is A Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. That's a great one for people who are newer uh, in the faith. And the other is Jesus Calling. And this is one that we've been talking about recently. And this is a great book, if a uh, great devotional, your devotional, both, uh, well, one's 40 days and this is a year. Uh, this is a great book if, if you've lost intimacy with Jesus Christ because it's written from Jesus Christ's perspective. And uh, In fact, we have copies of this, only $10 in the back at the cafe. Just stop, stop at the cafe and so you can pick up a, a free gift wherever you're going. Not a free gift, but a gift you can give somebody else you buy uh, but I prefer now to buy things, uh, e-books, like Kindle, that kind of thing. Because, for example, this book has the reference and the verse. This only has the references. This, uh, the e-book uh, includes the verse itself. So there's different ways you can do things. But whatever you choose to do, dads, is start spending daily time uh, with God. All right, well, let's go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11. It says, For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So we see three other things. First, we model the Christian life for our kids. And there's three other things here. First of all, we exhort each one of you. And then we encourage you, and then we charge you. So three more things. So we exhort. This particular word 
also speaks of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. He's described as a helper, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside us and teaches us. And that's what we're to do with our children. We're to come alongside them and teach them. Have your children ever accused you dads of lecturing? Raise your hand if your children have ever accused you of lecturing. Any lecturers out there? Amen! Way to go, you lecturers! Way to go! Now, usually, that's got a negative connotation to it, right? Oh, you're lecturing me, and sometimes you can lecture in the wrong way. But I tell you what, God has given you the responsibility of lecturing. You are a great orator. That's the word. You are a great orator. You look in the book of Proverbs, it says, Listen to the wisdom of your father. And those are the lectures that you give. You're lecturing them about life. You're teaching them about the wisest way to live life. To live life based upon the principles found in the Word of God. To live life independence on Jesus Christ. And so I want to encourage you dads, keep on lecturing. And if your kids give you a hard time about it, just say, that's my job. I'm a lecturer. You know, class is in session. Amen? Class is in session. That's your role as a dad. Now, that comes pretty easy to us, right? And again, we can, we can you know, misuse that. But I, I, it's not bad. We've got to teach our kids. Now, now, it says to exhort, and then it says to encourage you. Now, we're great lecturers, but sometimes we're not real good at encouraging. We love to, you know, talk about the way life should be lived. But when our kids are actually doing it, when they're trying to live in the way we're instructing them, many times we're not encouraging them along the way. And typically, it's how you were raised. If your dad never encouraged you, there's a good chance you're not going to encourage your kids. So you might, you might have to break the cycle here. You have to break the cycle if that's the case. You've got to encourage your kids or they're going to die on the vine and you're going to have a very difficult relationship with them. You've got, to, you've got to have both. You can't lecture without encouragement. So this is maybe where you need to pray that the Lord would help you to be the number one cheerleader uh, for your kids. So when you do see them doing the right thing, that you exhort them, encourage them, say, way to go, I'm so proud of you, I'm so proud of this decision that you made, I'm so proud of the way you handled that situation, you are growing up to be a beautiful uh, uh, young woman, uh, responsible young man. I mean, you just got to keep pouring it on. And if you struggle in this area, you just have to work at it. I mean, at least on your daytime or whatever you use, encourage my children <laughs> every day. And then maybe you'll hit it three times a week. It just If it doesn't come natural to you, Pray that the Holy Spirit would lead you in encouraging them because if you're not encouraging them, they are struggling. They're struggling and they're, they're, they're just so hungry for your encouragement. We, we see so many studies about dads who were not connected with their kids, didn't encourage their kids. We have people whose dads are dead that are still looking for the encouragement and the blessing from their father. Dads, dads, bless 
your children. Lift them up. Lift them up. And finally, we says it says here, and to charge them. I really believe this is the idea of keeping them accountable for what they've done. And this, this involves discipline. Uh, Ephesians 6.4, Fathers, do not provoke your children uh, to anger, but bring them up in discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Now, this is a verse that you usually hear when we talk about fathers, uh, but I really believe that 1 Thessalonians is a fuller picture. But this is another critical verse when we talk about fathers. And it's interesting that it's a command to fathers to be careful. It doesn't say, fathers, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. No, the first thing it said is, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Now, why do you think Paul wrote that to the people at Ephesus? Because fathers have a tendency to do that. Because we're lecturers. <laughs> and, and sometimes we're insensitive and we don't have some of the skills that mothers have and the sensitivities. And therefore, uh, because of our role, because of the responsibility given us, we can be heavy-handed. We can be heavy-handed. So there's a special thing. Do not provoke your children to anger. We have been given a responsibility to lead, but so many times we can abuse that. We can abuse that by being critical. If you have a critical spirit, Oh, it's so important that you ask the, the Lord to change that in your heart, especially with your kids. Some of you grew up with critical uh, dads, and you know it's still impacting your life. You can still hear the voice of your father. Not a loving voice, not a correcting voice, but a critical voice. And, it, man, boy, if you're swearing at your kids and calling them names, stop, 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 stop. That sin that, that makes God sick, you've got to repent of that sin. I mean, you, you need to speak sometimes firmly with your children, but never in a critical way. Constructive criticism, but not a spirit of criticism, like you're never good enough. You're never good enough. You did this wrong. You're always nitpicking here and there, and that's all they hear from you, and it makes for a very dysfunctional relationship, and uh, it's, it's very, very devastating uh, to the child. The second uh, thing that we can get in trouble with dads is we can be control freaks. You think about a baby that's born. You have 100% control over their life. Well, maybe not really. <laughs> you can't control them. <laughs> They're crying in other areas. But the point is, is that really, you know, that, that child is 100% dependent upon you. And, and the goal of parenting... The goal of parenting is over that 18-year period to have that child grow from dependence to independence. What that means is that every step along the way, you give them a little bit more freedom as, as they earn it. But the, the problem with controlling uh, dads is they, they don't give any more freedom away, even though the kids have earned it. But you've got to keep releasing them until they... They reach adulthood, and that means you've got to free them up to make mistakes. You just can't control their lives, and I've seen that happen so many times, where people will just control and control, and it just sabotages their relationship. You've got to free them up. Another common thing that happens with dads is we, uh, we're irritable. It's because life doesn't go our way. And 
we've had a tough day, we come home, maybe we're mad at somebody at the office or whatever the case might be, uh, we're frustrated over something, and the kid does something wrong and we just lose it. And it's a totally inappropriate response to what they've done. It was wrong, but not, you know, like uh, nuclear wrong. <laughs> right? And I tell you, and I can't tell you how many times I've had to apologize to my kids over the years and say, I am so sorry for getting so mad at you. I, I'm, will you please forgive me? Because I tell you, I was, I was mad over something else that happened today, and I let it out on you. And when's the last time you ask uh, your children for their forgiveness? because of what you've done. I mean, if you're a proud father and you never say you're sorry, you have got big issues. I cannot tell you how serious your issues are. If you're too proud to say you're sorry, you need to go to God, fall down, repent, because you are destroying people around you. If that's the type of person you are. You've got to learn to be humble and gentle with your children. And friends... You know, God's grace is so wonderful. I mean, maybe the years have passed and as you sat through this message and say, I did that wrong, I did that wrong, I did that wrong, I did that wrong, you know. Hey, just fall on God's grace and say, God, you know what? I, I, I'm so sorry and if there's a need to apologize to your children for what you did, please do that. It will be so meaningful to them and it will open up your relationship uh, with them. And don't be thinking, well, they did this. I mean, come on, grow up, right? And uh, forgive, restore relationships, and look toward the future. And God can transform challenging, painful relationships into beautiful relationships. And you just do your part. However they respond, they'll respond. But you just do your part in restoring broken relationships with your kids. Um, let's pray together. Lord, I want to thank you. Uh, for the time you've given us this morning to talk about the important roles of dads and fathers. Thank you for giving me the unbelievable opportunity uh, to be a dad to three uh, tremendous sons. And, uh, Lord, I pray that uh, you would just give us more grace. Uh, Lord, I know how you have helped me in my weaknesses with my kids, and you still continue to, and they're so forgiving of me and uh, the ways that I sin against them. Uh, Lord, I pray that for each of the dads here that they would just continue to pursue you because you, they are the model for their kids of how to live life. And we're never going to be perfect, but Lord, we can show our kids that we're working. That we can show them by asking their forgiveness that you know we're all a work in progress and we just need to humble ourselves. And we need to repent and we need to apologize. And Sometimes we just need to be broken by you. And some of us are so stubborn in the way that we operate. We just need to be broken by you. So I pray you do your work in my heart and the hearts of other dads here. And I pray that your grace would be seen over and over again. In Christ's name, amen. Right now, Pastor Rich is going to...